Hi, I'm Ben Miller from University Relations here at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and we're a proud sponsor of WIS Politics and WIS Business Podcasts. You're listening to WIS Business, the podcast, Wisconsin's business news source. Now, here's your host. Hi, everybody. This is Alex Moe here for WIS Business, the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Nick Myers. He's the co-founder and CEO of Red Fox AI. Nick, thanks so much for coming on the show. No, thanks for having me, Alex. I'm really excited to chat with you and fill you in on what we're up to at Red Fox. Yeah, absolutely. So you appeared on the WIS Business podcast back in 2020 and provided an overview of your company then. So I would first off encourage our listeners to go back and check out that podcast before listening to this one. And we'll have a link below in the description. But for now, I'm really glad to have you back on the show today. So let's get right into it. So Nick, what is the current stage of your company? Would you still consider yourself to be like in startup mode? Are you still raising funds, seeking investment? Yeah, so we are very much still in startup mode. So it really is myself, Brett, my other co-founder and CTO. Uh, We have a digital marketing manager work with us and we contract with an accountant and of course our chief growth officer who we brought on at the start of the year. So we're still a very small team, but we are growing. I'd say Alex, my gosh, in the last three weeks alone, it's like the, the, the Coke can tab popped open and now we're having all these discussions, which we wanted for a long time with some very positive looking prospects. Let's just say that. Um, so growth hopefully will be, you know, accelerating pretty good here over the next several weeks in the coming months. Um, but yeah, we're still very much startup mode. We've been bootstrapped to this point. Um, so our goal of course, is hopefully if we can lock in a few customers and show traction and, um, really demonstrate that product market fit and that we're solving the, we set out to solve, we can open a fundraising round sometime this year, and then we can really start accelerating and scaling the way that we want to. Awesome. Well, I'm sure you have to keep some of that stuff under wraps as far as your future prospects for growth in the short term. But in a little bit longer term, looking ahead, where do you see your business going in the next several years? And, and what can you say about your, your plans for continued growth? Yeah, I mean, two key areas that, of course, if we got more resources that we'd love to focus on would be the data analytics part of what we do and the artificial intelligence part. So the data analytics part from the sense of voice data is some of the richest data that is available. I do a lot of work in another organization called the Open Voice Network, focusing a lot on data privacy. And one of the big things we're trying to do is set standards for voice technology, specifically for data privacy, because your voice contains so much data, biomarkers, biometrics, um, identifiers that you know, we're still working on identifying that can be traced back to an individual person. So, you know, you can get emotional sentiment from your voice and computers can analyze that. So we really, over the next several years, are going to be focusing on how do we make the data set that we work with more rich for the providers that we work with, while really also protecting patient and, and consumer data at the same time. So how can we make those data analytics so much more rich and informative for our customers? And we also firmly believe that we'll reach a point where as we're training our AI on all of these different test processes and and instruction processes and data sets, we firmly believe, of course, that if we got enough resources and the right people, there's nothing stopping us from being able to say, hey, our AI will learn your process. And because it's so intelligent, it'll spit out a process that nobody else could have imagined that'll be even better than your current process. That's like, that would be amazing. Um, 
So those are two things that we really have, I think, on our next several year roadmap that we really would like to invest in. Excellent. And uh, just over the past few years, you know, given the challenges and opportunities presented by the pandemic, what's uh, what's new with your with your business in that recent context? Uh, you've talked to, we've talked about the Red Fox Digital Guide. Have you had to do anything else to sort of pivot or, or change focus? Oh, yeah, no, that's a great question. So, of course, first and foremost, it influenced what we're doing now, which, you know, COVID, I guess, for us was that I don't want to say blessing in disguise, even though it influenced what we're doing now. So I guess we came out stronger because of it, um, albeit still a very bad situation. But of course, that's the primary way. The secondary way is, you know, we kind of had an idea how we wanted to run the company, you know, going into it before COVID. Do we want it to be distributed or do we really want to centralize everything in Madison and only hire people in our local market? Well, I think it is now officially set in stone that our company is probably going to be distributed like a lot of companies where we can hire talent in California or Texas or Georgia or, you know, Missouri, really anywhere from the U.S. or even the world and still run a very successful business because of how interconnected everything is and how COVID showed us that remote work really is the future. And we're definitely going to capitalize off of that. Um, so that's one thing. And then I think also too, COVID really showed us the value of making sure that you know where every single resource is being allocated and where every dollar is being spent, you know, because running up to COVID, I think a lot of us, especially in startups and, and venture capital specifically, it almost seemed like the spigot was never going to turn off, right? And maybe if you reach the end of your fundraising, you could just go open another round and get money. Well, COVID changed that and made people, I think, a bit more conservative. Um, so really for us, it's making sure that we know where every single resource is allocated, you know, setting out a roadmap for the next year, two year, three years, and of course, making sure we know where every penny is going as well. So we can run a sustainable business and um, make sure that, you know, when we do open an official fundraising round, we can show that we're financially stable. And we have a solid handle on just day-to-day business operations. Sure thing. Makes a lot of sense. I'm also interested in your thoughts broadly on the role of artificial intelligence in healthcare. We've talked a bit about, quite a bit, I should say, about how it's playing a role in your business and some of the really interesting applications there. Can you talk from your perspective about what you're seeing in the healthcare field at large and, you know, trends that you're keeping an eye on that our listeners maybe should be aware of? Absolutely. And, and you know, this will probably come across as a bold statement, but especially moving out of uh, in our post-COVID world here, I think AI and technology is going to be the savior of our healthcare system because you look at how many people are leaving healthcare because of COVID and you know, a million and one different reasons that we could talk about for hours just with our healthcare system. But, you know, as long as these technologies are deployed properly, we have strong privacy standards in place and we deploy them under the guise of they're only meant to help patients and make healthcare a better experience. I really do think artificial intelligence and really technology in general is going to be the savior of our healthcare system. You know, one example that I often like to fall back on is I remember during COVID, there was a study being done at, I think it was Carnegie Mellon. They were actually collecting different voice samples from people, and they were trying to train an AI model on just from these voice samples, could they diagnose if somebody had COVID? I haven't been up to date on that study in a while, but I know they were collecting a lot of different voice samples, and they're making a lot of progress on the AI model. I know even before COVID, there was an AI model that was released. Again, I cannot remember the university, but they were using it to detect cancer and it could detect cancer, I think, 
above 90%, which actually was a greater degree than a doctor could interpreting, you know, blood test results or x-rays or anything like that. The AI could detect it way better. So those are just some really high level examples of, I think, how AI specifically is coming to the forefront of healthcare. I mean, heck, even in billing, because billing is so complicated in our healthcare system, I've been meeting some different startup founders who are really trying to leverage AI to improve billing because it's all based on codes and these codes can be super confusing. But if there was a way that AI could sort through all that data and make it more understandable for patients, that's a huge value add and that's going to fix a lot of problems. So those are some, you know, core things that really stand out to me is how AI and technology is really starting to affect healthcare. And like I said, especially with the labor shortage continuing through healthcare moving forward, I think is ultimately going to save it. Super interesting. I I agree with a lot of what you're saying, Nick, and uh, glad to have your perspective on that. And we're coming towards the end of the interview here, but I wanted to ask you, you know, you've identified a problem and you're tackling it head on using technology and healthcare. And I think that's really exciting. Do you see like more opportunities for health tech entrepreneurs such as yourself, you know, going forward? Oh, a hundred percent. I think if you are honestly a startup doing anything in healthcare right now, you are going to have a very bright future. Of course, you know, the biggest thing with any startup or service is do you have product market fit? Are you at the right time? Is there a need for it? And honestly, with how broken our healthcare system is, I think there are thousands of companies that could probably come into existence and solve all these problems. And you still wouldn't be able to tackle all the problems that we have in our healthcare system. So I think if you are a startup doing something in healthcare right now, you are going to be very successful and a lot of money is going to flow your way to fix these problems. So yeah, that's my assessment of that. And, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful to be in the position we're in where we're still early enough with conversationally, I that there's a lot of green space to work with, but, you know, at least far along enough where people are familiar with it and I think are open to different applications like what we have to use it and see how it can improve patient outcomes and people's lives. Terrific. Well, I wish you best of luck on your journey, Nick. It's super interesting to hear about what you're working on and I hope we can stay in touch going forward. Sounds great, Alex. Thanks so much again for the opportunity. You've been listening to Wisp Business, the podcast. Now stay tuned for a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Ben Miller from University Relations here at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and we're a proud sponsor of Wisp Politics and Wisp Business Podcast. Did you know that almost 80% of UW-Madison's in-state students return to live and work in Wisconsin? in the years after graduation, and almost half of all UW-Madison alumni are current Wisconsin residents. That's just one way we're driving our economy forward. UW-Madison is working for Wisconsin.